Good morning and welcome to this Sacred Heart Hour, this special edition during the Holy Week this year. As we enter into the month of April, we are also making our journey through the Holy Week, the holiest week of all for the church. Joining me live here in the studio this morning is Chuck and Joanne Wilson. Good morning. morning. As we enter into this Sacred Heart Hour during this Holy Week of the year, uh, we begin by praying the morning offering prayer, and we invite you to join us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your most sacred heart, the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular, for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chuck and Joanne, we have this special edition. Yes, Father. Of the Sacred Heart Hour, not only because it's the first Friday of the month of April, but it's also Good Friday during this Holy Week. It, we call it the Holy Week, but it's really the holiest of all weeks because of, uh, well, to be direct, kind of like the roller coaster of emotions that we go on. Um, you know, this is one of those moments in time when, uh, when we live it well, it, we might become exhausted in the flesh, but we're excited in the spirit. You know, because we go through the we go through the journey that our Lord makes, and it's really beautiful um, to consider the power and the glory and the reality of the Sacred Heart and how the Heart of Jesus enables us to have that source of stability, almost like a source of energy when we're running this marathon. And really, if you want to have an Easter Sunday that is really joyful, you really invite you. I I think it's imperative to enter in. Yes. to the tritium, to yeah. truly take this yeah. day and just immerse yourself in the beauty of the liturgy and mm. the meaning of Good Friday. And then, you know, of course, we get into, uh, you know, well, we've had Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. but to really take advantage of that. Absolutely. And I think, Father, let, let's start from the beginning, Palm Sunday. Right? That begins Holy yeah. Week. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I know for me, growing up as a Protestant, yeah, this was nothing we talked about. We never talked about anything but Easter and Easter eggs, and going to well, that's going not true for everyone. No, Jeff. not true for everyone. <laughs> you didn't get a palm branch. No, we didn't get a palm branch. Oh, see, Catholics love free yeah. things. <laughs> but I think as I now think about this, it reminds me of my spiritual journey so is true. that yeah. Palm Sunday is that mountain high. Everything yeah. is great. You think we got a savior. He's coming in yeah. to Jerusalem. We're all excited. Our prayer life now is excited sometimes. Mm. And then we have to go into Holy Thursday. Yeah. No, it, it's really, um, you know, when I, when I spent more time teaching, especially uh, children or even preparing adults to learn about the faith or even enter the faith, I, I would always use that imagery of the roller coaster, the ups and mm. the downs, you know, or going on a hike. You have peaks and valleys, right? And when we enter into Holy Week, like you said, Chuck, with Palm Sunday, this past Sunday, you know, there's a certain sense of uh, jubilee and joy and excitement. The Lord has entered Jerusalem, uh, the city of peace, the new Salem. Uh, that's what Jerusalem means, New Salem. And he enters to the acclaim of people who know who he is, and they know what he is, and they want him there, and they 
they're ready for him to be there. Uh, the whole city is not necessarily filled with exaltation, but the people who believe they are. And when we enter into that mass, as our viewers will remember, you know, whether you had the solemn procession or the simple procession or just a regular entrance, you know, we have those palms and it's amazing how something so simple, like a palm leaf, really, we say branches, but it's more like a palm leaf. We hold it in our hands and yet it unites us 2000 really years ago to the people. And then of course there's that painful experience of when we, when we live the drama of the passion, you know, and in most parishes we have the interactive drama yeah. of the passion. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I remember as uh, someone who was a member of the lay faithful and then as a priest, you know, when we have to yell, crucify him, yeah. crucify him. I mean, it's just not natural. And yet when you say that with your own words, scripted as it is yeah. in the gospel for all of us to say, you realize like, I, I do, I yes. literally do crucify the Lord mm-hmm. by my sins. And when we enter into the drama of Palm Sunday, and then, you know, the custom is to depart the church in silence because we enter into Holy Week. And then we've got Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and then, you know, yesterday, Holy Thursday, and then today, Good Friday. I mean, um, there is something that absolutely overwhelms us and it exhausts us as much as it excites us. And like you said, Joanne, when you look ahead to Paschal Sunday, Easter Sunday, there's an absolute undeniable joy about that. But when you live the Triduum, when you live... Mm-hmm. Um, Holy Week from Palm Sunday on, you know, joy doesn't uh, summarize it. It's not you know? about candy. No, I mean, it's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing that when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, you realize that's what changes reality. That's what changes the world. And that's what gives us strength. And yet the peaks and the valleys, the ups and downs, the roller coaster effect of the sacred liturgy, what stabilizes us in that? What what keeps us grounded in the midst of um, everything going on in and Holy Week, it, it's having a union with Jesus, uh, knowing the Gospels, reading the Gospels, you know, and to our listeners out there, you know, if you were not able to participate in the Mass of the Lord's Supper yesterday, um, and, and maybe you heard about or didn't even hear about the Chrism Mass earlier in the week with the bishop, you know, today, um, many churches will have different opportunities for prayer. Some of them will be open for personal prayer. Some of them will have, you know, a reading of the Lord's Passion, veneration of the cross and Holy Communion at noon or at 3 p.m. And some will even have it tonight at 7 p.m., Stations of the Cross. Please, you know, for the benefit of your soul, for the reality of your spiritual life, make a visit to the church. Find out uh, which church, which parish church has something that fits your schedule and go, you know, and um, because that it just feeds the soul. And yes, it's going to be a little bit draining, but it has to be, you know, it has to be. But in order to get to Good Friday, to me, one of the great gifts of conversion coming into the Catholic Church is really understanding Holy Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the institution of the Eucharist, right. the priesthood, yep. and the new covenant. Yeah. And I, I think what was it should have been for, what was it like for the apostles to be in, to be with our Lord and then realize he was going out to the garden? Yeah. But they were in that moment right? Yeah. where yeah. they were receiving our Lord, the Eucharist, yeah. and being instituted into the priesthood. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing because it, when we look at like a chart of the liturgical year of the church, um, and especially one that's color-coded, remember, you know, Lent, the purple of Lent stops on mm-hmm. Spy Wednesday. 
which was, you know, a couple days ago. And then Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, the sacred triduum. It's its its own mini season. And it's really one liturgy. It begins on Holy Thursday. It goes through Good Friday. And then it goes right into Holy Saturday at the vigil. It's one long liturgy. And it's one powerful life-saving and life-giving liturgy. Uh, but you're exactly right. When you enter into Holy Thursday, you know, uh, I dare say it's it's one of the greatest treasures we have as Catholics. And when a Catholic doesn't understand or doesn't appreciate what they have in the faith, it's because they don't understand Holy Thursday. They don't understand Good Friday. They don't understand mm-hmm. Holy Saturday. There's a distance from the heart of Jesus. You know, some, it, you know, we hear all of these terrible statistics, which kind of send a shiver up and down our spines that seven out of 10 Catholics don't believe in the true presence. Well, that's seven out of 10 Catholics saying, I don't know what Holy Thursday is all about. Mm. You know, Holy Thursday is not about washing feet. Holy Thursday is not about picking up litter and doing something nice for your neighbor. Holy Thursday is about the God-man, Jesus Christ, making sure that we know he remains among us even when he's gone. He still remains among us. And he does so through two principal means. He does through through the ministry of the priesthood of Jesus Christ, which he, he initiates at the Last Supper. And then he also does so through the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Holy Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament. And that's why, you know, for those of you who attended uh, Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper, and for those of you who may have in the past but didn't have a chance to yesterday, you know, the vestments are precious. They're white or gold. You know, uh, we kind of put away the purple, the somber, the reality of the royalty, the reality of penance. We put all that away. And for Holy Thursday, it's, you know, the vestments, the tone of the liturgy is one of incredible celebration, jubilant celebration. It's the Mass of the Lord's Supper. And I always remind people, remember, the Last Supper is the first Mass. And if you kind of just flip the words. The Last Supper is the first Mass. The Lord offers the first Mass with his apostles. And of course, we experience everything from the consolation he gives to those who are closest to him, uh, the words of institution, the example, the correction he gives to someone like Peter uh, with regard to washing his feet, and then, of course, the betrayal of Judas, you know. And there's so much to consider in Holy Thursday, whether it's the giving of our Lord and the Holy Eucharist, the institution of the priesthood, so the Lord will remain among us, and therein we understand the priesthood exists to make the Lord present. He doesn't institute hmm. the priesthood just so men have something to do, you know, as priests. The priests are meant to make the Lord present for the sanctification of the faithful. Um, So the life of a priest is for the good of the faithful. But then, I mean, all of these things, and then, of course, there's much to meditate upon how each of the apostles respond, you know, and there's something scary in how Judas responds, ducks out early, but then there's something powerful in how John responds. He embraces the Lord. Peter becomes enraged as an adult man who knows that the master is going to be betrayed and he wants to find out. I mean, the humanity of the apostles shines through as the divinity of Jesus is illuminating them. It's really amazing, you know. And, you know, I want to just uh, share that as a child, we always were at Holy Thursday mm-hmm. and really during the whole time of on Good Friday. Yeah. So for families out there, don't be afraid. to bring your children. Don't be afraid for them to experience some times of maybe boredom of, you know, that is life. And yet because of by sowing those seeds when they're little, it'll become just a part of them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, another suggestion I would make is in times past, 
we had more um, books to bring. Children had their own missile. Yeah, they had holy true. cards. Yep. They had more things during the mass because mass was in Latin when I was little. Yeah. In but we were occupied. We occupied ourselves by entering into what was happening in the way that we could mm-hmm. for our own age. So I just invite you to just bring to church something that is Christian. Yeah. Something not, you know, Walt Disney or or superheroes, right. you know, because yeah. they like them. They think it might occupy them, you know, or just little statues. Just look around mm-hmm. and, and bring something with them, but bring them. Yeah. Start bringing them to church. Yeah, the beautiful thing is we have so many things available to us today oh, that we, we didn't have. Oh, we do. I mean, give the give uh, the children among us their own version of the Stations of the Cross. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the reality of Good Friday. You know, exactly. And it's something beautiful for them to consider. And you know, I, I always remember um, something as you were speaking and sharing your encouragement. Um, I remember, you know, the root word of discipline is the root word of disciple. Oh, I like that. So how do we teach the little ones to persevere in the faith when they become adults if by not teaching them how to persevere? Yeah. And, you know, we uh, today the word discipline, it's almost like a scourge. It's a cuss word almost for many people, but it's how we persevere later in life. If our parents give us the discipline when we're little, they teach us that we're students in the school of holiness where the Lord is the lesson we're studying. He's also the the master, the teacher. Um, I mean, this is how we pass on the seeds of the faith. Well, another thing we had that brought to mind is we had our own envelopes. There were envelopes geared to children with pictures of Jesus and depending. Oh, the offertory. Offertory Oh, yes. And we would put a nickel in, you know, part of our allowance. But I think now. Well, with inflation, it should really be at least a dollar, (laughs) you know. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But um, now it's great to have everything, you know, online and it's wonderful. But I think we might have lost something yeah. with our children having that experience. Instilling that practice. Exactly. You know? yeah. Of putting, they, you know, we still love to put that envelope in the basket. Mm. And uh, so I, it's not like you want to go the old days, but I think in trying to learn today, how can we best pass on the faith? Yeah. to the next generation? I agree. And, well, you know, we might want to bring back some of these practices. Again, as we're coming to you uh, live from Sacred Heart Hour program on First Friday, which is Good Friday, Father, you talked one time, remember, at the men's conference about uh, the scripture reading from John thirteen twenty three to 25, when the Last Supper, when the beloved apostle St. John reclines beside Jesus yeah. and rests his head on the Master's head, yeah. and how he was able to sustain everything that our Lord was going to go through Mm. and everything, everything that was divulged, you mentioned, by resting his heart. And that's why the sacred heart is so important to give it to our homes and enthrone that we can rest our hearts on his heart. Yeah, that's true. I, um, you know, I approach that particular passage and the image that that passage gives to us, um, that image was also inspired countless numbers of artists to you know, depict the Last Supper, you know. And um, I, I think of John embracing the Lord at the Last Supper, the first Mass. I think first of that as a disciple myself, but also a disciple who's a terrible sinner. And um, 
And I think, you know, the Lord makes himself available to us for that embrace, mm. not just so that we are at the end of the table, at the end of the line, and he's like, oh, good, I made it. I'm at least here. Yeah. Now, I'm really far from him. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, he allows himself to be embraced. He allows himself to be hugged. And maybe that's where he received the extraordinary graces to be able to stand with him at the cross. John, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't help but you can't help but enter into the the humanity of Saint John, who let's remember, you know, he was a teenager. Hmm. He would have been around the age of nineteen years of age, you know that, and that's young. Um, and we know that all of the other apostles who were much older than him, much more experienced than him, much more wiser than him, mature grounded everything the world tells us we're supposed to be they hid in the crowd yeah it was the teenage boy who embraced the lord hugged him um as we hear in scripture he placed his head upon his chest you know what does one hear when you place your head upon another person's chest the heartbeat you know the beating of the heart um you know and, and then as, as if that's not enough you know then as a priest i i think of that and um, I think of how often the Lord invites me and begs me and wants me to embrace him. And, you know, sometimes I don't, you know, <clears throat> for whatever reason. True. And, uh, and of course, that's not limited just to a priest. Right. But right. when you consider John as an apostle at the Last Supper, the first Mass, who is becoming a priest right then and there, you know, I, I beg God for the grace. Personally, it's like, I hope I'm more like John and less like Judas. Yeah. And I think there's an opportunity there. But... Nevertheless, you know, if we kind of zoom out, big picture approach in this Holy Week and the close of Lent and looking ahead to the great, most magnificent day of all days, uh, Paschal Sunday, Easter Sunday, and then, of course, the season that follows, um, when we consider John, like you said, Joanne and Chuck, I mean, from where did he receive the grace to persevere and walk with Jesus and then stand at the foot of the cross upon which hung Jesus? You know, and to be with uh, Mary, the mother, and Salome, and Mary Magdala, and all of the other women who were there. You know, I mean, you know, it's interesting. If we think about our own humanity, if we think about our own life, and you think about if you've ever had the privilege of being in the room when someone dies, it's one thing to be with the person who's dying. That's a, a gift and a grace. But you know what's painful is when you're with the loved one of the person who's dying. Hmm. You know, the person who's dying is obviously in the arms of Jesus. Yeah. That's a beautiful, but when you have the survivor, you know, who's surviving yeah. and you see their tears and you see them quake and shiver and maybe scream, or maybe they're just that silence, which is haunting. I mean, John was with Mary, the mother of Jesus, huh. as her son, her flesh and blood died on the cross. She did not turn with a scowl and curse us, which, I mean, I think, <laughs> was well within her right. I mean, to, to think of the the guts that John had to be able to stand next to Mary and to think of what Mary as the mother went through. Um, you're, I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head. John was able to do that because he was close to the heart of Jesus at the Last Supper, which was the first Mass. And, you know, before we went live, we were just chit-chatting about things and the Holy Spirit kind of dropped a load of bricks on us, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, we all kind of came to the realization, which we're very, you know, eager to share with all of you, that John was really the first person who had the effects of original sin that drew close to the heart of Jesus. Yeah. 
I mean, Mary carried the heart of Jesus within her in utero. You know, she carried Jesus within her. The heart of Jesus was, you know, inches away from her own heart. But John in Scripture is the first person who, like us, suffered the effects of original sin, but he actually embraced Jesus. And I, and I think, you know, it, for those of you who are listening, either right now on today, on this Good Friday, this first Friday, or for those of you who um, may, you know, uh, listen later on down the road or re-listen again, if you think about it, just think about how the Lord allows himself to be embraced. The Lord allows himself to be hugged. And I think that's just transformative. You know, on Good Friday, when we can become so forlorn, overwhelmed with our own sins, and we look away from the Lord because of what our sins have done and what our guilt does. No, I mean, he he has his arms outstretched. He wants to be embraced. Not just, you know, have us kneel at his feet, which we do because he's God and we're not. Not just worship him because he's God and we're not. He's divine, we're human. He actually wants to embrace us. And I, I think that's something that is absolutely amazing is that the living God, Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the Father, he allows himself to be hugged. <laughs> you know? I just I, mean, I, I just find that amazing. And it's just hitting me in a different way as we're with all of you on this, um, this Sacred Heart Hour. Well, and I think, Father, what you've said has helped me because, you know, where would I have been at the Last Supper? Would I have been the Judas? I said, I, I, I'm going to work this situation out. Yeah. You know, he's not doing what I hoped he was going to do. Right. But how often in our prayers do we abandon Jesus? I know. Because yeah. we don't hear, we don't get the results we're looking for. And I think for people, it's the same thing. Our Lord wants to be exposed and honor in your home. Yeah. And to me, that's like, wow. I mean, think about it, what he's asking. Yeah. I know. He, he's asking us. Yep. He's not demanding. He's just asking us. He's offering. Yeah. He's offering. Yeah. His heart. Yep. And it doesn't mean all these issues are going to go away. Yep. And I think, Father, for our listeners that have say, okay, I'm at Good Friday. I haven't thrown. Yeah. I've done everything. But we're dealing with some heavy issues on the home front. Yeah. Where is Jesus? How would you help them walk on Good Friday through that? Well, I... I'm going to say this directly and bluntly because I'm, I've been there, you know. I, I've been in those dark moments of darkness, moments of sin, moments of pain, moments of uh, storms, and everything's whirling around you, and you're you're not really sure of the next step, and you're just wondering where is the Lord. I mean, that's that's where you have to stay. That's where you have to open your eyes and look out of yourself and stop navel gazing, hmm. and admit that the source of light is right next to you. He's right in front of you, and when people say. In sincerity of heart, with no duplicity and no um, angst, you know, what is it with the Sacred Heart devotion? You know what? I mean, right now, like the season we're living right now, this day, Good Friday, this reality, the Sacred Heart of Jesus on the first Friday of the month, it's like, you know, remember when you were in that storm? Remember when it got so dark you couldn't see a ray of sunshine? You know, remember when the, the winds were whirling around you? Um it was really, really bad because you kept your eyes closed and you thought about only your own perspective and what you could see and what you could feel and where you thought you had to go and what everything was that was weighing on your shoulders. But if you'd merely just open your eyes and with the humility of your humanity, acknowledge that Jesus exists and his heart has been made available to you, 
you know, and if you if you can let your eyes rest on an image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, I mean, what more do we need to see? He's made himself available for us to embrace. And that's when I say, go to the, go to the closest tabernacle you can, you know, go to the closest church, the closest chapel where the tabernacle is there and the most blessed sacrament is reserved and the Sacred Heart of Jesus is literally there, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and pray the Mass, receive our Lord and Holy Communion, make a good confession. You know, and then you go back home and you treasure the you treasure the image of the heart of Jesus, which reminds you, I am here with you. I am with you. I am ready to be embraced by you. I am already embracing you, you know? And I think that's where we really find that uh, source of, I'll say, like the fuel, the energy to just continue to take one step at a time. It's like, open your eyes and realize you're not at the center of this drama. The Lord is, and he will get you through it. You know, Father, I told Joanne this That's morning. beautiful, Father. Yeah, I told Joanne this morning is that I got up at 5, and, you know, I, I got this health situation. It's, it's now turned into be a hernia, and I have to have this operation. But it's taken five months for four doctors and physical therapists, everybody to diagnose my problem. That's going to be a fine yeah. wine by the time yeah. that thing's going to take. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I could get a little anger over this, you yeah, know? Yeah, sure. And, and maybe and, you have. And I have. <laughs> And, and it's the key fire. is, so, confession's uh, I was able to go to confession <laughs> yeah. this week, and this morning I got up, and I was able to go to 6.30 Mass. And oh, I said, beautiful. this is where I need to be, because I was having a pity party. Yeah. And I don't know whether you ever had one, Father. I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they come once in a while. Poor me, poor Chuck, you know, it's... Yeah, here we are, I and i got to wait another month for this surgery and everything. But then I go to Jesus, as you just said. Yeah, yeah. And I came out a different person. I was transformed. And I was thinking, duh, why don't I do this every day? <laughs> yeah. I know. Why does it's it take true. me it's a true. morning to say, i, I got to go to Jesus? So I think, Father, we have a couple minutes left. We get through Good Friday, yeah. Holy Saturday, how should we spend Holy Saturday in preparation for Easter? With Our Lady. There's just huh. no other way to put it. I mean, Holy Saturday gives each and every single one of us an opportunity to consider how the woman who is the mother, the mother who is the queen, buried her son. And she sat there, not only with a mourning heart, a sorrowful heart, but also with the reality of faith that it's not over. And I remind myself of that when I'm in the darkest of storms and I'm at the worst moment of my life. It's like, Our Lady survived Holy Saturday. She knew it. She knew the crucifixion did not end it. She may not have known what was coming next, but she knew it did not end yesterday. And so when someone says, Father, what should I do on Holy Saturday? It's like, spend time with Our Lady. Well, Turn you might TV have to off, cook you know? a little. And you can cook with our lady. <laughs> right. It'll probably taste better. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Throw some of that Jewish salt in there, you know? And but then, I, I really think we have to re, we have to regain wow. like Joanne, you know, said it you said it so beautiful. We had so many uh tools at our disposal in years past with regard to children. But you know, one of the things that was essential to our weekly schedule was every Saturday was reserved for Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason why is because of Holy Saturday, you know? It was the woman who had just buried her child. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I didn't know this, Father. Yeah. Now we do. <laughs> now <laughs> we one. do. And then, Father, 
a lot of people say, I can't go to the vigil. That's at nighttime. Sure, yeah. But isn't that the most solemn? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It is. So, like every guy should want to be at the vigil because there's fire. <laughs> yeah, you know? That's right. I mean, I don't know a single guy who's like, fire? What? I mean, fire? Like, yeah, it's the most like rudimentary, basic element of masculinity coming out. They're like, what do you mean there's a fire? There's a fire? At mass? I mean, it, but the, I mean, the vigil, all kidding aside, the symbolism of the vigil is amazing. But remember, it doesn't start on Holy Saturday. It began on Holy Thursday. Yeah. But we enter into the fire and I, you know, just uh, work. And it with, has to be sunset. Right. Yeah. Because you need the darkness. You need the darkness of creation to be overwhelming where you are so as to be reminded of the reality of how the darkness of death was looming over Our Lady and the Apostles after the crucifixion. And that's why, you know, when we enter into the darkness of creation with that mindset of the darkness of death, how does the Lord, how does the Lord bring life back like a spark, a flame? Uh, and I really, it's really, truly, I mean, it, it, it never fails. Every time we have the vigil, there's al- it's always windy. You know, of course, it's every priest's nightmare. Don't blow out, don't blow out, don't <laughs> blow out the Paschal candle. But it reminds us that the flame of Christ is fragile. The hmm. flame of Christ in our lives is fragile. And if we let the winds of this life extinguish it and blow it out, we have to, you know, go back and have it relit. And isn't that really confession? You know, we go back and have the flame of Christ relit within our soul. Grace returns to our soul through confession. But it's the vigil, the flame that becomes the fire, the fire that lights the torch, the candle, the candle that is escorted into the church. It illuminates the place of prayer, the place of worship. It impregnates the water of the baptismal font. Once that water has been you know, renewed with new life, impregnated, then what happens? Those who are to be baptized are baptized then those who are to be confirmed are confirmed, and then those who receive our Lord for the first time do so. I mean, that's why we call it the mother of all vigils, you know, to use the words of the church father, doctor of the church, St. Augustine. It's like the, it's the mass that never ends, you know, but the symbolism is overwhelming. It's just absolutely overwhelming. And, and, you know, and I want to highlight something that Chuck said, you know, if you are listening to this program and for whatever reason in life, you're in the middle of a pity party, or as I like to call it, a me moment, <laughs> you know, yeah. the Lord is asking you to come out and, of and that. And you're just angered. You're yeah. angered yeah. because Stress, my tired, children, the finances, my marriage, yeah. things are not going well. Right. And I've been thrown. Yeah. And the Lord is And I there, go to Mass. And I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've done right. everything they told me to do, and yet it's still a muck, you know? But it's like, remember, the Lord, he comes to save us where we are. You know, he doesn't come to give us an eternal vacation. (laughs) He comes to meet us where we are and then escort us out of that into eternity. Well, and I was thinking about what does this have to do with the enthronement is that it has everything to do with the enthronement. Absolutely. Because by having that image of our Lord in his heart exposed and honored, it is a, a little flame. It is a flicker. You're it right. is a connection. Yeah. And so, you know, we need that. We need that place to go to pray. We yeah. need that grounding, that awareness. And when we pass by and when our eyes gaze again on that image, yeah. why it's in a place that's not hidden away. Right. And, well, and to proclaim it to others yeah. coming into our home. And stay, stay tuned because now we're going to say, what happens after Easter? Because oh. Easter continues. Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. <laughs> As we bring to a close this first segment on the Sacred Heart Hour on this Good Friday in this Holy Week, we uh, renew 
our daily covenant with the Lord's Sacred Heart. Dear Sacred Heart of Jesus, we renew our pledge of love and loyalty to you. Keep us always close to your loving heart and to the most immaculate heart of your mother. May we love one another more each day, forgiving each other's faults as you forgive our, our sins. Teach us to see you in the members of our family and those we meet outside the home, loving them as you love them, especially the poor and oppressed, that we may be instrumental in bringing about justice and peace. Help us carry our cross daily out of love for you and help us strengthen this love by frequent participation in the celebration of the Eucharist. Thank you, dear Jesus, for all the blessings of this day. Protect us in all families and help us to live that we might get to heaven. Amen. Amen. Most of us can recall a childhood memory of innocence and a peace that only comes from God. Yet with our busy schedules today, many families don't attend church weekly or spend much time teaching their children about God. So many families now are burdened by financial and family challenges, substance abuse, and other worries. But there is hope. Studies show that people who pray regularly and practice their Christian faith are less stressed, financially stable, more compassionate, optimistic, healthier, and happier. Experience a positive difference in your life and for your family by coming home to your parish. Learn more by visiting catholicscomehome.org today. Here you may find answers to your questions and discover how Jesus and the sacraments will bless your family. There's no pressure or risk. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hi, this is Gary Zimak with another peaceful pause. In this world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world. John 16, 33. The words of Jesus make it clear. In this life, we will have problems. It's great that he tells the truth. He doesn't try to sugarcoat anything. Job loss, illness, terrorism. These are real problems. Stock market crashes, financial disruption. We're going to have these problems, but Jesus reminds us that he is still in control. If you're looking for peace, turn to him today, you won't be disappointed. For more information, visit me at followingthetruth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Radio. As we enter into the second segment on the Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, we have a beautiful opportunity to consider the beauty of Good Friday, this Holy Week and the opportunity that exists before us to enter ever more deeply into the beauty and the joy and the solemnity of Easter Sunday. We invite you to join with us as we enter into prayer during the second segment of the Sacred Heart Hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O most holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, I adore you. I love you. And with a lively sorrow for my sins, I offer you this poor heart of mine. Make me humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that I may live in you and for you. Protect me in the midst of danger. Comfort me in my afflictions. Give me health of body, assistance in my temporal needs, your blessing in all that I do, and the grace of a holy death. 
Amen. Amen. In the name of the Amen. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chuck and Joanne, the last segment, the first segment for this Sacred Heart Hour, we covered a lot of territory. Yes, of, we did. A, a lot of beautiful thoughts came to mind, you know? Um, as we enter into the second segment, we wish to invite all of you, our listeners, uh, participants in the Sacred Heart Hour, to kind of continue reflecting upon the beauty of the Sacred Heart as a source of stability when things around us change or become challenging or difficult. And even uh, something like the Sacred Liturgy with the ups and downs. You know, we go from Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. Easter Sunday, you know, then we enter into the Easter octave where every day is another Easter. And then, of course, Divine Mercy Sunday. And then we have the whole Easter season. So I mean, there's a lot ahead of us, you know? You know, the one thing about coming into the Catholic club, it's never, <laughs> it's never boring, Father. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's never boring. No, I'm, no. I'm, it's like we're in the fast lane. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard the church no, as our mother never, called. The never, no. no. No, maybe that's just a convert talk. <laughs> but I do think, Father, as we... Come to Easter. We can't make the vigil. We're really yeah. saying go to Mass on Sunday. Absolutely. Be with sure. your family. Yes. And that's a day of rejoice because yeah. of the resurrection. Yep. And I remember someone told me, without the resurrection, we have no faith. It's true. We yeah. have nothing. It's true. I mean, it's, we could have a good Friday. Yeah. We, we could have wonderful things, but if we don't have the resurrection— Yeah. Absolutely. We don't have eternal life. Right. I mean, the, the reality of um, embracing the truth of the resurrection, uh, it sets us free so that we can live uh, the life that the Lord gives to us from the cross. I mean, on the cross, the Lord sets us free, right? Uh, but in Easter Sunday, that's where those who are free are not able to live. You know, and what is freedom if you're not alive? You know, and... What does it mean to be alive if you have made yourself, allowed yourself to become a slave to something or someone? So it's all in tandem, right? And the resurrection is, you know, without a doubt, that which sets us free from all of the other religions, which have some semblance of truth, some element of truth. But the resurrection, we follow Jesus Christ, the God-man, come back from the dead, raised from the dead. And, you know, and I think it's always, you know, of course, you guys know I'm at the seminary, so I got I, the seminarians with me, and you know we were talking last segment about pity parties and like I call them at the seminary a me moment. Oh, me mm. moment. You yeah, know, I guys come, remember you that know, one. When the guys come up having a meltdown, and it's like, okay, you know, let, you know, let's tie the shoes and get up again, take another <laughs> step, and now that the me moment's over, go back in the hallway and get in line with everyone else who's complaining about their lives, you know. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, whether it's a me moment, a pity party, you know, the grace. The grace that is given to us by our Father in heaven through the person of Jesus Christ and the transmission of the faith, the proclamation of the faith, that grace enables us to stand up and take the next step. Especially in the midst of, you know, the secular news. Ugh. And we've never had a time in history where you're kind of connected to every horrible thing that's happening all around the world. It's too <laughs> much. Know, it's, it's just too much. much. TMI. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's way much too much TMI. <laughs> but to know that it's not the end. Right. Jesus is Lord. Yeah. He has the And not victory. every day is Good Friday. Thank it, God. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, that it, it's a great consolation. Yeah. Now, Father, let's talk about this octave of Easter. Yeah. We're, we're, we're leaving Sunday. Right. But the church continues an octave of Easter. Yeah. What does that mean to our audience? What's that mean to me? Sure. 
That means that everything we live, everything we celebrate, everything we embrace on Easter Sunday, Paschal Sunday, for the octave, we live over and over and over again every day for those eight days. So if you, if we can remember, you know, we use the word novena. What's that point us to? Nine. When we hear the word octave, that points us to eight, Sunday to Sunday. If we remember, um, you know, if we go back to uh, the book of Genesis and we think of the order of creation, you know, um, we begin with that reality of Sunday, Sunday to Saturday, right? Sunday to Saturday. That's why Saturday was originally the Sabbath. Saturday was the day of rest. The first seven, you know, the first six days were creation. And then on the seventh day, the Lord rested. All is good. But for we who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, he who brings all of the old covenants together and he renews them and he really embellishes them and then he ushers us into a new covenant with his resurrection and Sunday morning, you know, Sunday is the eighth day of creation. He renews all of creation with his resurrection. So you have the seven days of the old creation, the eighth day when he comes back from the dead, he renews everything that was created before him with new life. You know, he restores the bridge between heaven and earth that was ruptured by original sin. So a lot of times in churches, you'll go to the baptismal font, it has eight sides, eight sides to the font, an octagon. That reflects the eight days of creation. So that's the octagon yeah. designed within the church. Exactly. Some churches have octagons. Yeah, exactly. And if you go to like Rome or Jerusalem, you'll see some churches that are just actually legitimate baptistries, yeah. and they're eight-sided. Yeah. You know, and then they go down, the steps go down to the center, reminding us that we descend into the darkness of death, we're baptized there, and then we come up to life. So the symbolism within the church is powerful if we just have an opportunity to like draw the connection. Yeah. So we have that power of the number eight. You know, seven days of creation, eighth day, the next Sunday is when the Lord came back from the dead, Resurrection Sunday. So we have that reality of eight. So the church keeps that alive with certain octaves, you know, and the octave of Easter is powerful. We have an octave after Easter, we have an octave after Christmas, and throughout the life of the church, there's been all different kinds of octaves associated with different solemnities that were incredibly powerful. Probably one of the most popular that ended up being dropped was the octave of Pentecost, you know? But we have this octave of Easter, and it's it begins with Easter Sunday, and then it closes with the second Sunday of Easter, or Divine Mercy Sunday. Each of those days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Divine Mercy Sunday, each of those days is another Easter Sunday where we understand the power of the resurrection, where we're able to celebrate the reality of the Lord claiming victory over death. Now, one of the things we we share with our listeners, and we've done this over the past couple of years, is we remember Jesus is the one who gives us life from the crucifix. Jesus is the one who sustains our life day in and day out through the Sacred Heart. Jesus is the one who restores our life through his mercy, which is divine. So when people say, and they do it often, well, if I have, you know, what image of our Lord should I have? Should I have a crucifix? Should I have the sacred heart? Should I have divine mercy? Oh, the have all of them. Have <laughs> exactly. All of them. Come on, we're Catholics. Take it all, you know? Little flower, St. Therese, St. Maximilian Kolbe, you know, Our Lady offers Maximilian Kolbe two different crowns. Which one do you want? Both. Mm. Why well, only offered one? Well, I want both. You know, Therese, I choose all. <laughs> <laughs> so the Catholics are like, thanks for the options. Put them all in the cart. What is the importance of all of that? I mean, a lot of people that come across the Tiber, yeah, that come into the church, yeah, said, you know, that's a little too much for me, right? 
but doesn't it all bring us to the heart of Jesus? Well, the thing is, each one of those images of Jesus reminds us to get out of ourselves. Hmm. So when someone says, that's a little bit too much for me, it's like, great, that's the point. Yeah. Because guess what? The faith, the life, the Lord, heaven, it's a lot more than just you, Hmm. for which I'm eternally grateful Hmm. because I don't want to live you. I want to live him. And that's really a hard thing because when people see the culture, the customs, the traditions, like what we've been talking about, Holy Week, they're like, whoa, Hmm. I just signed up for Jesus. Hmm. Well, praise God, get in the boat. This yeah. comes with them, you yeah. know? <laughs> Thanks, but this is not your prerogative to pick and choose. This is life and life in abundance. So I think it's a very natural reaction when they see an image of Jesus on the cross or when they see the image of Jesus's heart exposed, the sacred heart of Jesus, or even if they see Jesus standing with the rays issuing forth from his heart, and they're like, well, you know, why do you guys always have to play with the body parts of God? You know, just let it be. Well, because we have to remember, he envelops us. He wants us to get out of ourselves to embrace him. And if you think about it with honesty, maybe transparency, definitely humility, those moments where we struggle the most with faith, those are the same moments when we're stuck on ourselves to the greatest degree. And if we could just let go of that, embrace him, whether through the image of the divine mercy, through the image of the heart of Jesus, or you know, even just most generally speaking, him on the cross, you know? Now, if we go with Divine Mercy, we start the chaplet today. Yeah, actually, yeah, the novena. The, the novena begins on Good Friday. Yeah, and um, for those that don't have it, Joanne, any suggestions? Well, you can go online, Google Divine Mercy Novena. Yeah, absolutely. Or probably at your local EWTN. parish. Yeah, Without a doubt, there's probably Catholic litter in the back of your church. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> right? Somebody, but you know, what is infiltrated. the power? How, why should someone do that? Well, I think you know. Once again, when we remember, not, you know, not the names and places, although those are important. Saint Faustina, Poland, uh, just between you know between the two ter- terrific world wars and all that stuff. Names and places are important, but what's at the core? What's at the center? Of divine mercy. What's at the center of divine mercy? What's at the center of the sacred heart of Jesus? What does, what's at the center of the Holy Week? What's at the center of our faith? Jesus coming to man and saying, you are not alone. And extraordinary graces Yeah, that he has I poured mean, out. He, how many different times does the Lord have to come down and tell us, you're not alone, you're not forgotten, I am here. But guess what? He still can't make the choice for us. We have to make that turn to him. You know, we have to respond to the grace that he's given to us and thank God for that grace. We could never convert on our own. He gives us the grace, you know, we accept it. And that's what I love about the enthronement because we are choosing to allow Jesus. We are going, as you say, Father, out of ourselves to say, Jesus, you are king. You are brother, savior, and friend of this home and of my heart. And that it's not about us. Right. It's about you, but it's about allowing you to also come in with your promises that we will claim and we will depend on yeah. and we will honor you and love you in even a new way. And Father, you mentioned it's, it's a continuation. We just talked about Holy Week is a continuation yeah. all the way through. Or really, the heart, there's only one heart. So you enthrone, yeah, and then you can also do divine mercy, because it's the same heart, yeah, heart absolutely. of love, 
Yeah. And it's the heart of mercy. Yeah. And I think our Lord almost said to us, man, we got a bunch of deadbeats out there. I got to give them as much mercy <laughs> as I can give them. That's true. Yeah. You think absolutely. that's it? Absolutely. But I, Thankfully, I he didn't call us deadbeats. But I mean, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't mean to call them. <laughs> but, but I think that, um, tell me if I'm wrong, Father, that first sometimes we need to know the love of Christ mm-hmm. and how much he loves us to be able to really understand how much mercy we really need. Yeah. It's the love that really opens up the heart to our own failings, our own sinfulness, right. to our own falling short of returning that love. That I think love first and mercy, I think the two go so beautifully together. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's like a braided cord of gold. Oh, you know? I like that expression. Um, you know, when we experience someone's mercy. yeah that's a tangible effect of their love for us. Mm. And when we encounter someone who loves us, deeply ingrained within that love is the transmission of mercy. And you know, it's that presence. The presence of Jesus communicates both, that divine love and that divine mercy. And there's always this temptation. There's always that we're susceptible to have to say, it's either this or that. No, yeah. no, it's really both and. Yeah. It really is. We're not and. in competition. No. And it's um, it's really liberating, and you know, and I think in every age, the Lord knows us, and He knows us so well. He knows the difficulty of every age. He knows what's up against us. He knows, He knows what you are up against in your own home. He knows uh, the reality of the power of the forces that are seeking to overwhelm you and destroy you and distract you from him and from your spouse or from your children or from your neighbor or from going to mass. He knows all of this. You know, we're never going to be the news service for the Lord. Mm. We're never going to be able to say, oh, by the way, did you know? Mm-hmm. He knows. Mm. He's God. Mm. You know? And this is why he gives himself to us so that we have that presence of him among us. We have the image of his heart to remind us, but there has to be that honor we have to expose them and honor them. And sometimes that requires us changing things up a bit, moving and, it around and a Chuck, bit. And Chuck, you're so good as the engineer to tell us <laughs> the Tell steps. me again, what is tell, that? <laughs> <laughs> tell us how do we enthrone? How do we enthrone? It is five easy steps. And the first thing is, if you do not have a self-enthronement kit, if that's the direction you want to go, or if you want to have a missionary, you can go on welcomeisheart.com. And when you go on, it's going to give you background. There'll be some videos to listen to. And you understand what you're really doing is you're really saying, Jesus, I enthrone you, as Joanne said, king, brother, and friend of our home. So in essence, when Joanne and I enthroned in 1990, Father, it was like, Wow, it took a lot of weight off my shoulders. Right. Because now it's the Lord's home. Yeah. The only thing we had to do was become obedient yeah. and follow the Lord. So the first step is get the kit, and then you're going to go through a preparation phase. And we always say, we say three days, you can do it at Novena, or yeah. three days of really preparing your hearts. It's like when you go to or work. Or the seven day. Or yeah, whatever works. Because that preparation phase, whenever we do anything, we always prepare for it. And people say, well, this, why do I have to prepare for this? Well, duh, because (laughs) our Lord is saying, you need to settle your hearts to be ready Mm -hmm. to receive me. 
And then we ask you to go to Mass on a Sunday. We ask you to receive Jesus in good standing with the church Mm. and come home and have your family and friends over. And you're proclaiming your house now. And I think, Father, maybe you can even add to it. I love it when you say, we're creating another Bethany. Yes. Yeah, which, I mean, that image is uh, very fresh in our minds, right? Because over the past couple of weeks, um, just before Passion Tide and throughout Passion Tide and John's Gospel, you know, we all journeyed to Bethla- or to Bethany, where Jesus went because of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, his you know his cousins, his family. What do we know about Bethany? We know Bethany was a place where the Lord would go to rest. He was with his own kin. He was with his family. He could be himself. He wasn't on call. We might say, and yet, you know, Bethany becomes well known because that is where he ends up being put to the test uh, as a result of the death of Lazarus. But I remember, you know, I remember and I meditate often how the Lord Jesus Christ, even before he made the trip to Bethany, when he received word that Lazarus was ill, what did he, he reminded the apostles, this is not going to end. This is not going to end in a bad way. You know, so Bethany, if we could make our home another Bethany, that means we make it a place where the Lord is at rest where the Lord doesn't have to be on guard, where the Lord doesn't have to be um, basically, you know, persecuted. And he's welcomed. And he's welcomed. He can be at rest with us. He can be at rest among us. Now, at first, when we welcome him in, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, he's going to come in. (laughs) Hey, what, the peanut gallery. We need to pay them a lot more. Sound effects. Wow. Sound effects. It's like a crew game. <laughs> That's what happens when you combine a birthday, first Friday, and good Friday, Chuck. Happy birthday. <laughs> so, but I think, you know, there, there's there's something to that. Um, you know, we have to just remind ourselves that we should be at so much peace with Jesus that he is at peace with us and that where we are with him is Bethany, our home. And that should be our experience at Mass, Right. Uh, our experience of Mass is as much an experience of Calvary as it is the empty tomb, as it is the upper room where the Last Supper was prayed. But then when we go home, our home should be Bethany. You know, it, it's really just quite beautiful. And the, the imagery from the Old Testament, the imagery from the New Testament, the imagery from sacred scripture is supposed to be the imagery we want to live. Our home should be a Bethany. And we start to think of our home as Bethany. Yeah. We We have, you know... Holy reminders, mm. reminders of the Sacred Heart, the Immaculate Heart, but others too, that help us to kind of keep that awareness, and it's it's a refreshment, and I, I think that, and then you know we don't want anything to come into our home, yeah, that would be opposed to that. So our television programs, yep, yep, you yep. know, our music, our the words that we use. I think there's more of an awareness. The apps that, that we have on this, our phone. This yeah. home yep. is, uh, you know, this is the, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Are we, you know, is it perfect? Understanding we're sinners. We don't wait until, oh, well, we'll enthrone after we really get our family <laughs> act together. Once we're perfect. Exactly. But no, Jesus wants you to come as you are yeah, and change inside. Now, Father... Once the octave is over, is that the end of Easter season? No. Oh, that's where I want to hear. All the way to Pentecost, you know? All the way to Pentecost. All the way to Pentecost. Yeah. 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 And of course, I mean, let's keep in mind some of the the powerful imagery here. We have the ascension of the Lord. 
which we celebrate, you know, 40 days afterwards. And then we have the, after the ascension of the Lord into heaven, we enter into what's actually the first novena, the nine days of intense, fervent, focused, intentional prayer by the apostles with Our Lady, which then culminates in the already existing Jewish feast of Pentecost. But at the Jewish feast of Pentecost, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the descent of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I was just teaching the seminarians, we were going through the Mysteries of the Rosary, and I said, when you go into the Mystery of the Rosary, the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, don't just say, you know, the Mystery of the Rosary, Pentecost. You know, that's a feast, that's a Jewish feast. We're not just celebrating a Jewish feast, we're celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, when Jerusalem was filled with people from all over, speaking different tongues, languages, you know, backgrounds, cultures, customs. Um, many of them sharing the same faith, but not necessarily all of them. You know, the descent of the Holy Spirit, which then brought the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the apostles, uh, the tongues of fire. And then, of course, the, those apostles, they rush out into the world proclaiming the gospel. And, uh, you know, one of the things, just kind of bringing things full circle, at the Chrism Mass, Bishop Fernandez preached a beautiful homily but he, he highlighted that, you know, one of the essential uh, elements of the presence of Jesus, the activity of Jesus for us to consider, to meditate upon is Jesus proclaiming, Jesus preaching, you know, announcing the kingdom of God. And that, that breaks us. And it's supposed to break us. It's supposed to break us of that callousness or the way a wound can heal incorrectly. But when we hear Jesus announce the kingdom of God is here, when we see the kingdom of God visually before us through the heart of Jesus, uh, the Lord, he is king, reigning from the throne that is the cross, that breaks us in a good way so that we can be healed correctly, you know? Um, the Lord comes to proclaim. And it's really something uh, quite beautiful. And this is our faith. And this is why when we try to live our faith, when we make an attempt at living our faith, when we're successful at living our faith, things change. Kind of like you said, Chuck, when you went to daily mass, you know, the, the frustration, this morning, it broke. It changed. You know, it broke. Um, and, and the other thing, Father, I was thinking for everybody is when you're saying you're desperate, I um, feel alone, I don't feel love, I feel all these problems, why is it that we run from the solution yeah. versus to the solution? Sure. The solution is Jesus. It's true. It's the only thing that makes sense. And I yeah. think in closing, Father, I think for all of our listeners today on Good Friday, spend time with Jesus from the noon to three. Yeah. This is, he wants to be consoled. Yeah. Or are you going to be like a desert, one of the apostles and fall asleep, say, yeah. oh, you're on your own, Lord. You don't need me. Right. No, we need to console him. Yeah. For those who love, there's never a reason for an excuse. You just love, you know? Thank you for joining us on this Sacred Heart Hour on this very special episode, which falls on Good Friday during this Holy Week. We invite you to join with us as we close in prayer. Dear Lord, I adore thy Sacred Heart, which I desire to enter into with acts of love, praise, adoration, and thanksgiving. I offer thee my own heart as I sigh to thee from its very depths, asking that thou wilt work through me in all that I do today. Thus may I draw thee closer to me than you were before. I offer you all of the crosses and sufferings of the world and union with thy life on earth and expiation for sins. Join my every action and heartbeat to the pulsations of thy heart. I unite all my works of this day to those labors you did perform while you were on earth, bathing them in thy precious blood. 
and I offer them to the Heavenly Father so that many souls may be saved. Amen. Amen. Amen.